Jimmy, Jimmy Crane, Jimmy Crane's a nerd. Jimmy Crane's an improv nerd. Jimmy Crane's a nerd. Oh, Jimmy. Hey everybody, this is Jimmy Crane, and you're listening to another episode of Improv Nerd. And today's episode is sponsored by Pan Theater in Oakland. So if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area and you're looking to get your improv fixing, check out Pan Theater's Improv Dojo drop-in class. It is a fun chance to laugh, to learn, and to play. Also be sure to check out Pan's quarterly auditions for house teams, Awkward Face, Liquid Mind, and Sunday Brunch. All you need to do is go to pantheater.com for details. Now, Pan Theater has been bringing improv goodness to the San Francisco Bay Area for over a decade, since February of 2002. That is a very, very long time. All you need to do is visit pantheater.com to check out their current shows and their class schedules. But wait, there's more. Pan Theater offers master-level improv workshops with leading guest instructors, including me, Jimmy Corain, host of The Improv Nerd. I've been there many times and always had a great time. And to check that out, all you need to do is go to pantheater.com for upcoming master-level workshops. This is the first show of the new year, so I just want to say to uh, everybody out there, Happy New Year. And we're going to start uh, this year off really strongly. Our guest today is Antoine McKay. Antoine is a, an alumni of the Second City Detroit and Chicago Main Stage. The guy has got tons of film and television credits. Uh, he has been in Andy Daly's review on Comedy Central, Prison Break, Sports Action Team, uh, and he will be uh, in the cast of Empire, which will be uh, premiering, uh, I believe, in January on Fox with Terrence Howard. I think you're really going to love this episode. And, and what I really liked about Antoine McKay is he is very honest and very self-reflecting on his career and now he's very accomplished and he looks back in this interview and he talks about starting out in Detroit at, uh, being hired in the touring company at Second City and how he wasn't very good and he speaks very candidly on, on what they they told him he could and couldn't do when he started out and then he talks about um, going from Detroit main stage making Detroit main stage and, and, and then coming to Chicago and uh, making the main stage there. And, he, and, and again, he talks very honestly about some of the pitfalls that he had uh, off stage and how he overcame those. Um, and he also talks about his religion, um, which I, I, I find really helpful and how it, it's given him a new perspective and what's really important in his life. And because of this, it's, it's helped him become even a more successful actor. But before we get to that episode, I just want to say I am just, I am filled with so much anger and so much rage today. And I don't know, it's usually, it's usually not what you're, you think you're really angry about, you know, but I'm just like, we're, we're working on getting a new website for jimmycorain.com. And apparently uh, these, these, when you buy a domain, uh, the companies can sell them to other companies. So that's what happened. And this company that now has jimmycorain.com, I own jimmycorain.com, but the company that hosts it or owns it or stores it or whatever, they've, they can't even be reached. They have one phone number and you call them and, and it, it just keeps ringing. So, and I'm, I'm so like, like technology kind of stuff. 
I, I don't want to do it. And so I'm just, I have a lot of anger today about that. And I was pounding my fists and scaring my wife. And uh, I think my life is going really well. And that's why I'm, I'm reacting to this anger. But whatever. I'm angry today. And uh, so I just wanted to let you know that. Uh, I know you're going to enjoy this episode. This guy is just, he just... He's so honest, and he's so um, it's so inspirational to know that that people that, that they have to work to get where they are today. So here it is, the Antoine McKay episode. Enjoy. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I yeah. love it. How do you? You have such. You are such a nice person. You have such oh. great energy. How, have you always had that? Uh, I did some time in jail, man. So it just changes you. Are you serious? No, I'm, no, I'm, no, no, no. I have been arrested a couple times, uh, but protesting. Um, uh, well, have you always had that? I mean, you came in today. This, this is why I think you're going to you're, you're continue to do well. You came in today, uh, and I, I come in, and I'm all worried about you know the set and whatever. This well, is before the show. Uh, you shake everybody's hand and you introduce yourself. Yes. Yeah, because like it's like people are important. People are really important. So that's Joe, mm-hmm. Je- Justin. That's Justin. <laughs> that's Justin. That's uh, Dan. Um, that's Jessica. Uh, that the, the photographer. Correct. Um, uh, I'll come back to you. Uh, <laughs> That's Joe. On the other camera. There, uh, on the other camera is Joe, right? Uh, Sam is the producer, and Joe. <laughs> yes. No, but yeah, but because it's like it's important to. I like when people introduce themselves and remember my name and make me important for that thirty seconds, mm-hmm. and I, I know we all share that feeling so yeah yeah it's yeah I just, you, you want to make people feel cool and happy <laughs> at least i do anyway i know um let's start you let's start back in 1997 mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. um you decide to uh, audition for the second city touring company in detroit right but you're a classically trained actor at this point mm-hmm. what makes you decide you want to go into comedy uh because i got really sick of waiting tables and like seriously i was um Waiting tables, I had three jobs at the time. I was waiting tables. I was um, washing windows at like 4 a.m. And I had two jobs waiting tables. So I was working all the time. And I took a vacation and I went to this beautiful place in Michigan called Houghton Lake. And I said, yeah, Houghton Lake. (laughs) (laughs) I almost drowned. (laughs) Black people can't swim, man. Um, uh, Everybody's like, what? but um, I, I went up there and I just kind of sat by the water and I asked myself, what are you going to do? Are you going to just continue to do, are you going to continue to wait tables or are you going to really pursue what you studied? And I said, I'm going to try it. And literally the week I got back, I picked up the phone that Monday morning and called Second City in Detroit and they were having auditions that week. And so. you, you go in your audition, and mm-hmm. I love this part of the story, you go in your audition, you get hired. Yes. But you and you, you just you said you were terrible at improv, and what do they make you do? They hire you in the touring company, and they make you improvise, right? <laughs> right. And I get into the touring company. I auditioned the first day they read script, so I could process the script. It was great, but uh, and then they had a second day of auditions on the callback. I had to improvise, and 
like literally Jesus himself came down and improvised for me because I had literally had like a week of improv training in college. And then they hired me. And I was like, yes! And then I started improvising in the touring company at rehearsal, and they were like, you're really awful. Did they say that to you? Yeah, they did. They pulled me in the office, and they were like, um, what happened? And I was like, uh, I never improvised before. They were like, what? Uh, could you you got to start taking classes. So I started taking classes at Second City then. And how was that like, here you are in the touring company, mm-hmm. and you're taking classes with people that are just starting out. Right, right. How did you... How was that? I didn't tell them I was in the touring company. <laughs> I just, and then they would come see the show and they're like, you're in my class. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> they're like, you know what, I'm better than you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they were. No. Um, it, but in the shows, when I would do the tour coach shows, they would just stick me in the acting scenes. They wouldn't so let you improvise? They would not let me improvise oh in the show. God. And I, tour, I toured for a year, and uh, just over a year and a half, and... Um, Finally, after six months, they started to let me improvise in shows, and you just get better. You get better, and you become more confident. Yeah. But the other cho- choice you decided to make was you're gonna, you were going to wait tables at Second City to watch the cast, mm-hmm. right? Right, right. What did you learn doing that? Um, I had a lot to learn. I, had a, I, I learned how to, though, uh, improvise better by watching those guys. And here's who I got to watch. Um, Larry Joe Campbell, who was on the Jim Belushi show, uh, Keegan-Michael Key, um, who we all know. Um, uh, Naima Funk, who has a show right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and Margaret Evertowski, who was just brilliant, a brilliant improviser. Um, and uh, Eric Black, uh, Brandon Johnson, uh, Catherine Worth. Uh, uh, and then, like, the very first show I got to improvise with main stage. Horatio Sands comes back. Jerry Minor comes back. Uh, Zulovic shows up. Uh, yeah, and, and it, it's just, it's unbelievable. And I get to watch these guys improvise all the time. And, and it's, and, and you learn. You learn watching those guys. So. And then something happens. You go in for Keegan's uncle dies, and then you go right. in at the Detroit Main Stage, mm-hmm. and then what happens? Um, I, I go in. Keegan's uncle passes away, and it was an unfortunate situation, but they were like, you're going on main stage that night. I'm like, oh, okay, great, thank you. And um, how did you feel about that? Uh, I, I, after cleaning myself, uh, <laughs> I, you have to pull it together. And of course, it was a, it was a Ron West show. So it was, it was crazy. I mean, there was combat, there was jumping off of the stage. Uh, there was catching people falling. It was not, it is, it is just not understudy proof. So, like, somebody could have died. Um, but, the, again, the cast, you're working with incredible professionals, uh, and you just, you do it. And so, I get to go on stage for about a week and a half, and then Keegan has one of his original auditions for Mad TV. Uh, this is when he was still in Detroit. Uh, so he goes out, and he's gone again. So they're like, you got to stay. I'm like, oh, darn. Um, <laughs> but literally, he came back, and the new process was about to begin. A new show. A new show. Out. We were going to start writing a new show. They were going to start writing a new show, and they asked me to be on main stage, and it was really cool. Yeah. And here's what I find amazing about Detroit is 
you told me that it, 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 at one point it was you would run a show for eight weeks, mm -hmm. and then you'd put. You, so you're writing a review, a Second right. City style review, mm -hmm. every eight weeks. Yeah, right? we would do that. We would write it. it. It would go eight weeks on. We would be in the process for eight weeks. Write it. Boom. Put the show up. Run it for eight weeks. You still run the show at night, but then rehearsals start during the day. After, and we, I, the first four shows I was in, three shows I was in, we did that, and it was you were constantly writing, constantly improvising. What, what do you learn from that process? Um, keep producing, keep producing ideas, keep, uh, keep working. That's that. That was the real thing. Always be prepared. Because uh, you'd come into the dressing room and I'd go, hey, I got an idea about a guy with a cup. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> and then you see Mark Warzeka or Mark Evan Jackson uh, pitch a scene. It's like, I have this scene, that scene, that scene, that scene, that scene. What about this one? What about that one? What about that? Antoine, what do you got? I got to do with a cup. <laughs> and so you, you learn. You always have to keep creating, keep, keep working, keep building. Now, the thing I love about people that come from Detroit mm -hmm. and, and pass through Chicago before now, they go into New York and LA. You guys are so like bonded. It's almost like its own little subculture mm -hmm. of, of even in Second City. Right. You know, Second City is a fraternity. You're like your own little separate fraternity. Why is there such connection um, with I, that I, Detroit community? I, because there was this thing and uh, it, like Detroit's Detroit, Chicago, Chicago, and um, Chicago shows, the main stage Chicago shows were always sold out. Uh, there would be Wednesdays we'd do shows for eight people. You know, on a Wednesday, Chicago Second City has 398 people sitting there watching the show. Um, so there was a difference, there was a comparison. Uh, you guys are Detroit, we're Chicago. And there was this kind that kind of put a chip on our shoulders a little bit. Like, you know what? Oh, we Detroit? Oh, yeah, we Detroit, all right. Mm -hmm. Come on. <laughs> you think you're bad? Because you're from Chicago? I will take your wallet, dog. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, but, um, uh, and we did. Uh, no, no. <laughs> no, no. Can I well, tell you another thing I find about Detroit? There's a different attitude about race in Detroit than there is in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Do you find that? Absolutely. And what is that? Um, people are just more openly racist in Detroit and they'll like <laughs> laugh at it. Um, and in Chicago it's like, oh, hello, man of color. <laughs> Quite brisk this afternoon. Tisn't it? Right. You know, and in Detroit it's just like, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? I don't see nothing over there. Oh, what did you say? You know, but no, it wasn't crazy like that. But there which, was. Which do you prefer, that it's more open or that it's? Yeah, you kind of want to see the racist coming. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you do. But um, I, what was different about Detroit, honestly, it, it, with the audiences, with the lifestyle there? There's a, there's a blue collar mentality. Now Chicago, very much. It's the city of big shoulders, oh. absolutely. But Detroit, there was. You show up, you work hard, and if you work hard, it's going to work. And that's it. And that's what we did. We showed up, we worked, and even though there wasn't an audience all the time, we worked hard, and we produced good material, and we had amazing directors and um, great writers who 
are all now doing very, very well. And the I, you know, I worked with Mary Beth Monroe, Mary Beth from Workaholics. From Workaholics, she was, uh, was in cast with me. Um, Mark Wazeka has directed several main stage shows here in Chicago and in other places. Um, so you come, you then from Detroit main stage, you come to Chicago main mm -hmm. stage. Yeah. And you say you cashed out on your 401. <laughs> yes, yes. PBS station. Mm -hmm. And you were glad because you were at that, you were a raging cocaine addict. Yes, <laughs> right. No, I was partying like crazy um, when, I, when, I, when I moved here. Um, Even when you got on main stage? Uh, you know, I, the, the powder was gone, but I was still like, I was, I was tossing them back a little bit, you know, and I was here by myself for a little while, so it you, was... You had, you had three kids. I had three kids back in Detroit, yeah, yeah. And you um, brought the kids here? Eventually they did come here with me, and that all had to change, but it was still really scary at times being here, and, you know, I was a single dad with three mm -hmm. kids at one point. How you did know? you do that? I was on a first-name basis with Gold Coast Nannies, you know? <laughs> And um, if they, I would throw them a little extra just so I could go out sometimes and have a couple of drinks if I wanted to. But you know, but I was I was doing it. But what was really crazy when I first moved here and the boys did get here, you know, I was on main stage and that Eight you know, shows a week. yeah, and that uh, and that pays. But right. you know, you got enough for three boys. Um, so I, literally, and literally. Out of the first ten things I auditioned for, I booked six or seven of them. Commercials, national TV commercials, TV shows, movies, just boom, 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 boom. So I was like, "Go, Ghost nannies, come on, make it rain, yeah." You know, um, and I didn't realize commercials stopped running. <laughs> so then uh, it got real. It, you know, it. I needed somebody to help me. But you said yeah. being on the main stage too was it was a high point for you in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. But mm -hmm. It was also a low point spiritual. Yeah, it was. I was not walking with the Lord when I was on main stage, and that was a. Uh, um, it was a it was a real struggle. I mean, because when you're on main stage, of Second City, it's you can have what you want. It's a great job. It's the greatest job in the world, man. It's really great. You know, you're sitting back. My first day on main stage here in Chicago, I was in the dressing room freaking out because I had a show. Nervous, we're about to write a brand new show. I'm in the dressing room by myself and in walks Mike Myers. And I'm like, hey. <laughs> and he's like, what's up, man? I was like, uh, the room just got $300 million richer. Other than that, nothing. He's like, uh, I'm Mike. I'm like, yeah, you're Mike? I'm Antoine, what's going on? And uh, he was doing the Oprah show, and he, he was like, so what's going on? I'm like, yeah, I'm new here, I'm from Detroit, and kind of nervous, kind of freaked out, and he was like, we'll be okay. It always starts this way, but we'll be okay. And then he's like, talk to you later, man. And he came back and played the set that night, too, which was really great. Uh, but what was cool about that moment is he said, we'll be okay. Like, we're going to be all right gonna be okay and it was and that night he came back and played the set I had the set of my life that night and it changed a lot of things and it was really cool um, but you know you get to that point and you realize that and this is just me and I'm not speaking for anybody else and I'm but uh, even at the high points 
there was still emptiness. There was something missing for me. And I didn't know what it was. I couldn't put my finger on it. And, you know, there'd be some success. And then I'd bump my head and uh, do something stupid, get drunk, you know, just dumb stuff, you know. Um, but eventually I uh, was seeking somebody to uh, help me with the kids because it was just really hard paying nine hands all the time. And I, one of my students who I was teaching at Second City at the time said, uh, hey, I know somebody, I got somebody you can help. Uh, and I opened the door to meet this person and it's the woman that I've been married with for nine years now. Um, I opened the door and I was like, I am not getting married ever again because the divorce was awful and I'm just, I'm just gonna date the world and oh man, you're messing it up. And um, literally, that's what I thought in my brain when I opened the door. I'm like, gosh, you just messed it all up. <laughs> and we got married three months later, and we've been married for nine years now. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. But, and that wasn't easy, too. That, there was a kind of a transition, because you were telling me that you were putting acting first. Yeah, I was, I was an actor before I was a husband. I was an actor before I was a father. I was an actor before I was anything, and that was it. And what's really great is, and I, and I go back to my wife, Rebecca, hi baby, um, who's here. Um, like I was in that place and you know, I was still doing the party in bed and- And you still, you're married and you're still Married, partying. married, still partying, absolutely, with kids and the whole nine yards. And one day she was like, you need to make a choice, homeboy. When you're ready, call me. And she, and she walked out. I was like, oh, where are you going? And she was gone for a week. And I was like, oh, gosh. And What did you do in that week? In that week, I drank some more, mm -hmm. and I laid on my bed. And it was the lowest point of my life, absolutely. And, and it was in that moment. And you, people hear stories like this. And I was like, Jesus, if you get me out of this, I will walk with you. And she called me that same day I said that. She's like, meet me on the corner of... Ridge and Pratt. I'm like, are you going to shoot me? What's up? <laughs> like, because she's from the east side of Detroit. Right. And it's really crazy over there. <laughs> like, when I met her, she was like, oh, hi, how you doing? And she went to hug me. And she had, she had a piece. Um, are you serious? No, no, she didn't. Yes, she's sweet, but right. don't get in, say, it'll be... So, so you're going to meet her, she says, meet me? Meet me on the Pratt, Ridge and Pratt. Uh, Ridge and Pratt. So I go over there, and she's like, here's the deal. I'll come back. Are you on a street corner? On the street corner. Okay. Um, and she's like, here's the deal. I'll come back if you cut the drinking and get it together. You cut all the other stuff and get it together, and we got to start going to church. And I'm like, all right, yeah, let's do it. All right. Were you sincere at that point? Um, or scared? Or both? I was scared to death because I just wanted her back, you know? And then it was, we started going to church. Things started getting better. When she came home and we just grew and grew. And, you know, as we grew together, we realized that, you know, without putting Christ first in our marriage, we can't truly love each other the way we can 
that we're supposed to be loving each other. So that um, changed me so much. It changed me so much. Uh, and I, you know, I was, a, I was a youth pastor for five years, which was great. Um, uh, still acting, still improvising, but things really changed then because now it started to show me that I wasn't an actor, I wasn't an improviser. That is what I do. And I can be excellent at that, and I can be outstanding at that, and I can work my tail off on that. But before anything, I have to be a follower of Christ. I have to be, I have to be a husband, and I have to be a father. Because when I lay down in my grave, what do I want people to remember me for? That I did a lot of great shows? No, you want people to remember you. Like, Antoine was a good guy. Antoine was a good husband. Antoine was a good father, you know? And my mom just passed away in May. I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. Um, and that's what I can say about my mom. And if my dad passed away tomorrow, that's what I could say about him. My dad was a believer. My dad loved the Lord. My dad loved my mom. And my mom loved my dad. And they were good people. They, they tried their best. And they were good parents. You know, that's, that's all I want. That's all I want. You know? I mean, this is great. I love it. I love it. You know I love it. Yeah. And Jimmy, we, we talked right. on several occasions. Um, but that's, that's the important stuff. You know? Now, people that are here in the audience or listening to this podcast, mm -hmm. they're, they're going... We're cynical people, right? Right, Provider. absolutely. He's talking about Christ, the Lord. Or right, right, right. How do you um, tell them, like, okay, it might, Jesus might not be your Savior, but it might be something else or whatever. How do you tell them to get perspective? Um, well, I stand where I stand. Right. And people stand where they stand. Right. But my job, from where I stand, mm -hmm. is to love people no matter what. And that's what I'm supposed to do. Like, whether you are an atheist, mm -hmm. whether you are gay, whether you are a racist, whether you are whatever, I've got to meet you where you are at. Because that's where God meets me, where I'm at. I'm not in a good mood all the time. I still swear. Mm -hmm. My wife can tell you I still swear. Um, do you get angry? Absolutely. Really? Yeah, man. What gets you angry? Um, racism gets me angry. Really? Um, uh, taxes get me angry. Um, um, my children make me want to sell them on the black market, man. I'm telling you. I have six kids, man. It's crazy. I don't know how you do it. I drink, Jimmy. I drink still. No, no I don't. No, I, I pray a lot. I pray a lot, and I try to stay in their business. How has yeah. um, your spirituality made you a better actor? Because, uh, I, because you can separate yourself from I mean, yes, you create, I get to act, and I'm doing some, a lot of fun stuff right now, but um, it, it just keeps things prioritized. It keeps your priorities straight. Um, you know what's important. Uh, so, yes, I go to auditions, and I want to get these jobs, man. I want to get these jobs. But even if I get this job, that job doesn't make me, you know? Again, it's like how I love my wife, how I love my children, how I love people around me. That's what, that's what makes me, 
you know. Are you a better actor or a better improviser? I'm a better actor than I'm an improviser. Mm -hmm. uh, I learned how to improvise well because of the people that I've worked with over time and the people I've been blessed to continue to work with. Um, I'm working with Andy Daly right now uh, on review and it's, the guy is ridiculous. In what way? He's an, first of all, he's an amazing guy, really sweet guy, um, which makes it all the better and you hope for the absolute best for the guy. But he's an amazing improviser. Mm -hmm. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. it's, it's unbelievable. Because when they say, okay, on the third take, you guys do what you want this time. It's like, okay, great. The first time we ever improvised together, it was like, okay, wait, I gotta get my bearings because some stuff just happened that I've never really seen before. Because um, he was just that good, just that in it. And the character never broke and you never saw him thinking uh, and it just came out and it's like, okay, all right, let me just, <laughs> let me get my bearings. Did, did, did that scare you? Uh, no, it, it challenged me okay. and it was like, okay, Oh, you want some? Okay. I'm from Detroit. Right. <laughs> Let's get it, homie. No, that's um, so, uh, so you've done, and then you're, you're doing Empire. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, how has your your improv helped you with your acting? Uh, it improvisation requires absolutely, as does acting, requires you to be in the moment. Um, I think with improv. You're more malleable to what's happening next. Now, while plays and actors do the same thing, there's just something uh, that's so charged about the unknown. Something, something can happen. And you see our, our greatest actors are also funny improvisers. Think about Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is absolutely hilarious. He's hilarious. And people don't remember Bosom Buddies back in the day. You guys remember Bosom, anybody? Bosom Buddies? <laughs> One person clapped. <laughs> They're like, I'm not dating myself. Um, but he, they would improvise a lot on that show. Mm -hmm. And he was hilarious. Uh, but, and, I, and I think that allows you to tap into humanity more. Uh, because the moments aren't always perfect. They're, uh, we're, we're flawed beings. So... You know, a lot of improvisation is embracing the loser of the person you're playing, you know? Um, whereas, you know, acting is, you know, it can be status. It can be embracing who the person is, but that person might be a superhero who's saving the day. Whereas, you know, an improviser who's a superhero saving the day has to go to the restroom right now. You know, it's, it's just different. So what yeah. would you say to somebody who's, who's in improv now, right? Mm -hmm. And they're, they're like, oh, they look up to you, you know, because you, I mean, you're, I mean, you did sports action team, mm -hmm. you've been in prison break, sirens, uh, sh Chicago PD. I mean, you, you've got a lot of TV and film credits. Mm -hmm. What would you tell that person who's just like on a team at IO Chicago here or mm -hmm. at the UCB or at the Magnet and they're just improvising, but they look at you and go, I really want a career like uh, Antoine McKay. Uh, you should take acting classes. And if you're just an actor and you haven't improvised, you should take improv classes. They're both so valuable and so important. Um, uh, I, 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 when I teach, I really, if I'm teaching an acting class, I really kind of play with some improv in that just to keep 
people alive and keep people moving and keep people making different choices. When you teach improv, I certainly focus on playing the moment well so that it sells it better. Um, they, they walk hand in hand. I think they, 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 this is just me. And a lot of people might disagree. Like the purest, when it comes to the acting and the purest improviser, um, might disagree when I say they absolutely need each other. They need each other to, uh, to work, really, to really grasp the world of performance. I think uh, all these things have to walk in hand, hand in hand. Like you need some music in there. I think, like even if you just get a djembe and beat on it and learn how to play, uh, play a little. I, I, I think that's a part of it. It's, it's there's there's a freedom yet there's. Um, there's still a structure that you need in both of them. Uh, so if you have them both, it just helps so much. It, it's up to me so Great. much. Great, so we're gonna beat on a gym bed right now. Okay, we're cool. We're gonna play a little ourselves. Right. And we're gonna improvise. Great. Uh, what do you like to do, what do you like to start with in terms of a suggestion? Um, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Uh, but I wanna tell you something, yes. man. Okay. I love what you're teaching. I, okay. I love how you teach. I love um, like easing into it and taking your time. Um, a lot of my scenes at Second City when I was there, the scenes that I would write, were scenes that were slower scenes, mm -hmm. you know, that took time and, and found the real uh, of humanity. Uh, I loved doing those scenes. Um, now I feel all this pressure that we're gonna, because I'm nervous and scared to improvise. I was telling my wife, I'm like, baby, I don't know, Jimmy's really good. <laughs> and she was like, just do your thing, you're the funniest person I know, I'm like, it's because you live with me. <laughs> but uh, that, that, that's the, I thank you for those compliments. No. I, I, most of the time, I don't feel that, you know? <laughs> Do you ever feel like insecure? Oh, gosh, yes, yes. I mean, I'm, I, when, I, when I work on Empire, and I'm so blessed to do that. With like Terrence Howard? With Terrence, Oscar nominee Terrence yeah. Howard, Oscar nominee Taraji P. Right. Henson. I'm the only person on the set that doesn't have an Oscar nomination. <laughs> Or, or an Emmy. I'm serious. I walked on the set. They were like, "Hey, man, what's going on? You? What's going on with you? Nothing, nothing. So, what you been in? Oh, I've been in some stuff. What have you been doing? I was like, I loved you in Hustle and Flow. I love you so much. You know, don't it's, go by our craft table. Right, exactly. Such a great guy, mm -hmm. and he's so welcoming when he and he knows everybody on the set. Did, did the same thing you did? Mm -hmm. Walks in. What's up, man? How's it going? What's up? Mm -hmm. What's up, man? You all right, man? And he's a great chess player because um, I've lost to him six times. Um, uh, he's really super nice. He loves his wife. Mm -hmm. He loves his children. He's about to become a grandfather. He's mm -hmm. so excited about that. And it's like, dang, man, that's, that's great. It's great to see that. But what's really cool about most of the people that do work on Empire are, is uh, they, they're all family people, you know, and it's really cool. I mean, yeah, we all, they all go out and I got to go to his birthday party, Terrence's birthday party, which was really great. Um, but uh, they're they're family-oriented people. So do you feel like you do a scene on Empire? You're with these, you know, Oscar-nominated people. Like I'm not as good as they are. Do you ever feel that? Um, I don't want to sound. I don't want to come off being arrogant in any capacity. Please don't, and please don't take it this way. But I've been acting for 24 years, and to stand across from somebody. Uh, James Cagney said it best, uh, find your mark, look the other guy in the eye and tell the truth. And that's so true. And 
if you're really working with a professional, it's not going to be, you're going to have a dialogue about the, the scene. You're going to work it. You're going to live in it together. And, and that's what happens. And I've never felt that I wasn't equipped to work with these guys. I, I, I'm, I've had some of the best training in the world, you know, with Second City. Uh, Uta Hagen was an acting teacher of mine. Um, it, I, I, I'm, I'm, I was ready. And they may be impressed with your Second City stuff, right? Like, oh, I could never improvise, mm -hmm. right? No, they're not. They're not. Um, <laughs> uh, they, uh, they're, they, 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 they were like, I got a certificate that says I was nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> Do you have that? Uh, and it's, no, I bet it never comes up, does it? No, it doesn't. It okay. doesn't. Um, uh, but it's 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 no, they're not. They're 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 like, oh, you're a funny guy. Cool, you're funny. Look cool. Let's do this. You know. <laughs> So, but that's pretty much it. Okay, yeah. we're going to do this now. Okay. So we, we were going to get a suggestion. Sure, let's do that. Okay, uh, what do you want to take? You don't care? I don't care anything. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's take a location. Train station. A train station, okay? Kay. Now, when you hear train station, what do you do with that suggestion? Um, I just kind of let the picture appear and just try to see everything that's there. What are you seeing right now? Uh, I see the Coke machine, I see the guy sitting in the booth, I see the stairs, I see the platform, the train, the tracks, um, just paper, everything. I just try to see everything that's there. What in this world can I use right now? Okay. So, yeah. Great. Any sort of character, are you just going to go to the next space and make a discovery? Uh, you, uh, you know, you can, I think of the people at the CTA okay. instantly. Okay. Uh, and like, who are those people that, not necessarily on the train or waiting for the train, but who work at the train. Okay. You know? The train is f a fascinating thing for us that just take it. Mm -hmm. But the people who work there are sick of the train. Right. And so, and they, and they stand on tracks that are, stand close to tracks that are electrified with thousands of volts mm -hmm. of electricity. And they're just like, man, I want to go home. You know? And it's Great, it's let's different. do it. All right, cool. Great. So, uh, I guess you and your wife work things out then, huh? Yeah, yeah, we're back together. Good, man. Man, me and my girl got back together, too. Shirley? Yeah, man, she dropped the protection order, man, you know? So I got to go back home. Cool, man. How long do you think that's going to last? Couple days. <laughs> I'm having a party on Saturday. Oh, man, I love you. Come by with Shirley if you're still together. Yeah, man, if not, I'll just... Find somebody, you know what I'm yeah. saying, man? Mm. How do you do that, man? Just find somebody. Oh. Well, it's got to be, it's got to be in the eyes, man. Love is in the eyes. It's all in the eyes. <laughs> I mean, I get it's in the eyes, but I mean, I'm talking about like, uh, you know, like, uh, Couple days with one girl, move on to the next girl. Mm -hmm. That. Well, I don't shower normally. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then they could just smell a woman on you, so they find you desirable, cause some other woman found you desirable. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta try that. Man. Don't shower for like a week. <laughs> Women coming from everywhere, man. <laughs> 
I still got a lot to learn, don't I? Yeah, yeah. I do too, though, man, because I don't know everything. You know, I'm my first day on the job. I pull, I pull the lever. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Man, I, I shut down Chicago for two yeah, hours, yeah. man. I almost didn't have a job. Yeah. But you learn. You learn. And a woman is like a train. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You pull that lever. It's gonna go somewhere yeah, different. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. But if you pay the fare, it's always gonna go somewhere. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Remember when we had transfers? Oh, man. 25 cents, you could man, go, you could go anywhere. anywhere. Ain't no transfers with women, no, man. No, It's terrible. Yeah. But uh, how you do what you do, though, man? I mean, your girl is, y'all are in there. Yeah. It's working. Yeah, we got four kids. I know, what? Yeah, we got four kids. How do you do it, man? One kid at a time. <laughs> That's smart, man. Yeah, don't get ahead of yourself. That's right. People be having twins. It's yeah. like, why are you having twins? Exactly. That's stupid. Yeah. One at a time. Yeah. I'm going to remember that, man. Yeah. When I get and the married. The thing is, if it gets slow, yeah. you know what you do? You what? adopt. Oh. You can't get it for a while, you adopt. That's mm -hmm. what we did. First two, mm -hmm. we had them. Right. You know? Right. It was a little slow for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. We adopted. Right. Then we, then, then when we adopted, another kid came. Wow. Yeah. What, the kid just showed up at the door like, <laughs> like, what's up? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So y'all got. Oh, yeah, but we, you know, my wife, she was talking in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. She said she wanted to have a kid. Somebody didn't want to have a kid, and they dropped it off in the back. No. <laughs> so y'all got two biologicals, an adoptee, and a stray. That's good. <laughs> the other thing you got to do is pets. Oh man, man. Love pets, man, man! I had a rabbit when I was a kid. That thing almost scratched my eyes out, man. You're kidding me. I cooked it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't playing, man. I don't play with See, no you rabbits, can't talk, man. You can't, you can't talk like that around kids. Yeah. Because yeah, you know you got to be nice to the animals. Can't kill them. Use them to eat them. Right. Man, you smart as a mug, man. Yeah. I see why you married. It's good. You know what? What? I'm gonna ask Cheryl to marry me tonight. Just like that? You just got back together. <laughs> yeah, you're right, man. I, I, but I can still just ask her to see what she says. I say. think you should do it. Yeah. What if she says yes, Cam? What if she says yes? Oh man, I didn't think about that part. <laughs> If she says yes, I'll tell you what. You can stay in my basement for a couple of nights. Yeah. Because you know what's going to happen? What? If she says yes, you're going to run. Because you don't like commitment. The one thing I know about you. I show up to work, man. That's because you get paid. Yeah, that's, that's right. She don't pay me, though, so I ain't showing up. <laughs> you always think there's something better out there. I think that there's, you know... There is something better out there. Come on, man. You're going to tell me you ain't gone to the mall with your girl and y'all been walking and you got four kids and then all of a sudden from around the corner, a girl just show up and her hair is flowing and she got on like 12-inch heels and she's like 6'12 and she looks at you and just goes. And you don't go, 
I'm going to go to a store. I'll be right back. Just to go see what's up? I do it, yeah. That's natural. And you know what, something, Kel? It happens more when you get married. You see more of those women. And they're not just in the mall. You go to fill your car up, they're behind the, the, the glass for the money. You go to buy shoes, they're everywhere. There's, they, they're more and more. The more you commit to something, the more these women are going to show up in your life. <laughs> Gotta sign this. For real, man? Yeah. Wanna make sure you get paid this week. Thanks. Oh, I'm gonna ask you, but I mean I saw a couple hours missing off of my thing last week. What's up with that? That's cause two weeks ago uh -huh. when you were on the Evanston Express yeah. and you were sleeping yeah. until it got to Howard. Right. We're not gonna pay you for that. Oh. Y'all sure. Yeah, what was that about? Cheryl kicked me out, man. That's when she got the order of protection on me, man. And somebody said uh, pa a passenger filed a complaint. What was their name? <laughs> her name was Ginger. Mm. And then there was another complaint. Her name was Linda. Linda saw you in there with Ginger. <laughs> I have no idea what you are talking about. <laughs> Keep it between us. I think I know what you're talking about. Right. Sorry, man. Ginger was fly, man. I'm so real, I man. Man, man, we got, man, we got to the, we got to the Howard stop, and I couldn't. I was like, I ain't getting off. You know, I'm staying on this train. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I can't be like you, you man. You cannot be doing that, okay? All right, cool. I don't want to see you get fired. Cool. Okay? Cool. cool. If you're going to get married, you can't be screwing around with other women on the L. I know Who, who said that? Uh, <laughs> what rule is that in? I, I'm sure it's in one of these books here. CTA say. Yeah, CTA C say. Okay? You, if you get married, you can't mess with no other girl. Yes. That's in the handbook. Okay, you know what? It might not be in the handbook, all right? But it's in the Bible. Do you know what passage that is in? Nope. I can tell you right now. Wait a minute, I do. Jeremiah 31. And what does it say? <laughs> if you own the train. <laughs> don't talk to Ginger. It's close. Or Linda. I think that's more, yes. Only talk that's to the New Testament version. I like it. Right. But as long as you understand that, mm -hmm. that's all that matters. Right. I get it. All right. Yeah. Okay. So you're cool. Yeah, I'm cool. Okay. I didn't know you read the Bible, man. I do. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know you were a follower. Yeah, I am. Okay. Yeah. Because you don't live like a follower. Salvation is an ongoing process. You know what I'm saying, brother? <laughs> Like, you ain't just going to wake up and be Jesus. You got to get there. You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm already there. Shalom, Jesus. <laughs> it's not that hard. You just keep reading the Bible, and it gets into your head, and 
then you start living a life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I know a little bit about it. You know, I there was this one thing um, that I, you know, the first Bible verse I ever learned, man, other than Jeremiah thirty-one. Right, and Ginger and Linda. With Ginger and Linda, and say on the train, uh, it's Psalms one. It's uh, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. For his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. That's the first thing you learned? That's the first thing I learned. <laughs> you know what I learned? What? Thou shall not steal. That's So when strong. you have that coffee in your hand, yeah. put a dollar in the coffee. Man, you going to make me pay for the yeah. coffee too? Because yes. you talk about stuff, but you don't live your life, man. I put $5 in there. That's crazy. You put $5. I'm I taking five that, dollars. dog. What you talking about? Why you put $5 in here? Because I'm tithing. <laughs> See, I live it. You just talk it. All right. Fair enough. But what about that time you got drunk? Okay. You came to work. You was drunk, man. I was totally you drunk. was drunk. And yeah. you came in here. You were like, well, I was like, what? Come on, man. I was showing people how not to live their lives. I was an example. If you read in the Bible, Jesus, you know what Jesus was? What? Jesus was an example. He was living the life that people, sometimes he would live the life, you'd say, hey, I want to do what Jesus does. Sometimes you'd say, you know what? Maybe I don't want to do what Jesus does. He was like Goofford and Goffred in Highlights. Remember that as kids? <laughs> Goofford and Gallant. Yeah, I remember that. Goofus yeah. and Gallant. Goofus, Goofus and yeah! Because yeah. Goofus would always do the bad stuff and Gallant would always do right. the good I stuff. I was doing the bad stuff. Right, right. I was, I was doing it for you. Yeah. We used to have low lights. <laughs> and our characters was Peebo and Chucky. <laughs> Don't be a Peebo, be a Chucky. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Well, that's, that's, how I, that, that, that's how I do it. Right. Hey, can you work for me next week, Thursday? Yeah, I can cover it for you. Cool. I'm going to write it in the book. Um, I just don't feel like coming in next Thursday, man. <laughs> man, I, you know, I got court. Court? Yeah. I thought that was all cleared up. Uh, this is another thing, man. You know, this is... Another DUI? Uh, yes. I thought it means drive under the influence. <laughs> Not don't under the influence, man. I'm sorry. Don't judge me, man. It's I, too I, late. I already judged you. <sighs> but see, the thing that I've learned what? in my religion what? is I can say I judge, and it's absolved. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to go to your church. <laughs> That was a blast. Great, great. What we do that you like? Um, I think we listened well. Uh, like you listened and you were uh, just in it. You were in it and it was real and it was fun. And uh, um, I have seen these two guys at the Howard stop, you know, right. hanging out, smoking on the tracks while everybody's waiting for a train and they're just standing there. We'll get to it. And then they put the smoke out and then they pull a lever and then the train comes around. It's like, what are you guys doing? Right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, the last couple of minutes, I was a little lost. Were you? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it was, it was I, I felt like, okay, 
this has run its course, right. I think. Yeah. Um, but the conversation kept going, you know, and, and, and that, was, that was fun. But uh, certainly it's like, let's, what I don't think there was a lot of, which I don't think there was any of, I, I, we didn't deny each other. We just kept right. taking and taking and taking and taking. And, right. and that's something I always try to tell my students, just, just say yes. Keep saying yes. Keep saying yes. It, it, we could have kept going. Right. And we would have hit another... We would have got back yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just the, yeah. that's the nature of it. I thought that kind of let you down at the end. I was like, oh, we're struggling. We're doing this religion thing. No, no, no. I really, I really loved it because I felt like, and this is like, if you know, that's why I always have my students like tell a little bit about their lives like in the first couple of weeks uh -huh. because they become real people mm -hmm. to each other. And you took something that you knew about me and you put it in the scene. Right. And I was able to reference. And it's mm -hmm. like, what a great gift, man. Mm -hmm. And that was, I think that was well, great. Well, I think the cool thing was that you were willing to play like um, the, the lower status when it came to religion. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's... We, in terms of the character. Mm -hmm. You know, because I would think like somebody, if I had just been interviewed before and said, you know, your passion about religion and stuff like that, and all of, you, you don't let it get in the, in the way of your improvising. No, you because you you. God gets satire, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like He does, He does, and people would always, uh, you know, when I when I did start walking with the Lord on a regular basis, people were like, "How are you going to improvise? Are you going to swear? Are you going?" It's like no, that, like, God doesn't stop truth. He wants that out there, and there are people who don't know who he is, and um, I, I've had to, uh, I, I just directed a play last summer uh, called Half Price Cosmos, and it was a great show, great cast, and you know, the topic, there was, there was a lot of just adult language in there, and um, somebody who did see that was, asked me, like, you're a Christian, how could you direct something like that? Or how did you make that choice? It's like, because it's the truth. That's how people live. That's how people are. And this is art. And art imitates life. Life imitates art. And it, you have to put it out there. You can't, you can't stop that. You can't stop. Now, if, if there's a scene where I, I, I've got to go and stand butt naked, that's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. First of all, if I do that, America's going to shut down. Right. Um, <laughs> and secondly, it's... I just respect my wife, and my wife and I have a relationship, and it is what it is, and that's where I stand. Like, I don't do love scenes. My agent knows that. Like, I don't do sex scenes, you know? Yeah, I could be married to somebody. I can uh, hold somebody's hand, but it's still just that's something that is sacred, I feel, with me and my wife. And if people don't understand that, I get that. I totally get that. But it's just something... That's a, just a conviction that I have, and I don't ever want my wife ever to question my love for her or my my passion for her or and for her and her only, you know? And like, I don't want her to question that, you know? So Great, so we're going to take some questions from the audience. Sure. Okay, cool. great. Uh, if we could turn the house lights up, Sam. And get power to the mic. Hey, there it goes. Wait, get some power to the mic. Yes, here we go. Uh, a question is for Antoine. Uh, I guess I can start off. Yeah. Um, there is sort of been a running theme with other guests we've had where we ask them sort of um, 
is there any sort of blueprint for any level of success or just like something you could have an idea on what to do that can be very helpful to people? Something I tell people who are in my acting classes who are like, I want to act, I want to do this. I'm just like, okay, every day, you got to do one thing every day that's going to make you a better performer. Are you going to read Jimmy's book? Are you going to take a class? Are you going to an audition? Are you preparing a monologue that you're going to use at the general calls that they have for all the theaters around town? Um, what are you doing every day? One thing, one thing towards your career. Are you resting also with this? Are you still living your life? Like that goes into being an actor, like having something outside of it that you do. So I, I think that those things are important. Great. Another question for Angela? Yes. We got a couple. Hi. Um, Hi. I know that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I introduced myself to her for the fifth time. <laughs> Every time I see her, I'm like, oh. um, I know that you teach kids mm -hmm. improv, and I was wondering, you know, what, you know, you're somebody who has a lot of experience, you know, you've done a lot of things. What's the benefit for you out of teaching? Kids? I, I think they are in a lot, in, in some ways, far better improvisers than we are because they are so not dealing with the things that we deal with on an everyday basis. They're so uninhibited. And they will say some of the most brilliant things. My buddy, uh, Tony Lowry is here and he works with kids a lot. Um, and I, he's had me come on and just do some workshops and we sit and watch and there's times that the kids say stuff and we're both like, I would have never thought of that, me either. Maybe they should teach it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's it, but it's the truth. They're so um, they're so uninhibited, and I and I think um, having improv young opens up life so much more. It gives you a confidence about yourself. When and, and when you're a kid, there's those existential times that you're searching, and uh, so you certainly want to uh, gift. A kid with that, with those, with those skills. So. Great. And you got another question? Yeah, I saw some hands over here. Right here. Hi. Hi, Bar. Hi. Um, when you daydream about your career, what do you daydream? <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> coming to the stage now to look at you, <sighs> and that's it. <laughs> Andrew McKay. No, um, I, I, I always think about, uh, I daydream about winning an Oscar. And I've shared that daydream with my wife, and she's like, just don't cry. Gosh, don't be like, she's like, because I'll leave you. <laughs> what does it feel like to say in big crowd and then on the podcast, uh, I want to win an Oscar? I mean, I think every actor, if every actor at some point says they, like, I, I didn't, I never thought about winning an Oscar. You're a liar! <laughs> yes, you did! At one point in your life, I mean, I have, I, I, I'm just going to put it on the table. I have played it out in the mirror. <laughs> I have talked to myself. I, it is, I've been in the car, like, yeah! I want five! In the car, have you gone and, and said the speech? 
Um, I've never really worked on the speech yet. Okay. I've said a couple of them, and then I get to a point, and that's where the reality breaks. It's like, and I'd like to thank Fritos for the corn chips. Oh, these are so good. And then it's, it's just gone. So. Yeah, because mine is an Oscars. Mine are Emmys. Oh, so Emmys? I'm, I'm, I'm a little lower. <laughs> no, I've won several Emmys in my mind. Okay. <laughs> Wait, we got another question? Hi, yes. Um, you talk a lot about a path and all that, and I'm wondering, do you feel like you have a purpose in life? Absolutely. And, and like what, because I feel so true. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And like what is your purpose? Because you do so many fabulous and wonderful things, and it's like, and I know your devotion to your wife and your kids are number one. However, I feel like you fulfill the world with your talent. So, like, what's your purpose? Um, my mom, again, and I'll try not to cry again, my mom, when I first got hired in Second City and she saw my first tour co show, she's like, you're going to always be blessed because you bring people joy. And I'm like, you're the best mom ever! <laughs> um, and um, she's right. Uh, because that night Mike Myers played the set with us and he walked out on stage. I remember seeing this woman who was watching our show and she was so unimpressed with us. Um, and it was just like, oh gosh, the black guy's talking again. Um, and Mike Myers walked on the stage. And I was there, Lisa Brooke, I remember, uh, Toronto Second City, who came down here and was on main stage with us, very funny woman, said, Mike Myers! And I saw this woman go from this to, over. And she was like, she, did, she was looking around like there was somebody to hug. Because she, and I was like, gosh, that's joy. And it's, it's, it's so amazing to be able to, to have that opportunity to, to bring people joy. And I think, I think that's part of the purpose. I don't think it's completely flushed itself out to what it really is, but definitely serving the Lord and bringing joy to people. Like that, that's, and loving people. Yeah, you know, that's, that's it. Right now, yeah, right now. And staying out of jail. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, right, that's. Got, that's uh, two, two, two uh, right, right, I got the mic right here. Oh, we got, we got Tom. My, my question was, um, there's still a lot of people in the improv community that party a lot, like heavy mm -hmm. drinkers. And yeah. Stuff. Do you try to convert these people or bring them to your church? I do not. You like know what them? I do? I sit down I, and I have a drink with them. Yeah. Why not? Jesus drank. If you think he didn't, and Jesus has a sense of humor. He had to deal with us. He's hilarious. Uh, he, he made us. That's hilarious. No, it's, um, I, I don't, you know, I just, you just got to love people, man. And if they want to talk about where I stand, I'll be glad to talk to them about it. But if they want to talk about how the lions are seven and two <laughs> over a beer, yes. I, yeah, that's, that's cool with me. I got to say, you and Keegan are very similar in that because Keegan is a born-again Christian. Mm -hmm. yep. And never, unless you ask him, will it come out. Mm -hmm. Has that been your experience with him? Um, with Keegan, yeah. Because, you know, I went to church when I was a kid and stuff. And, but but like, when I was with Keegan in, in, uh, at Second City in Detroit, I would walk into the cast, into the dressing room earlier, and he would be sitting there reading the Bible. And I'd go, what you doing, man? He's like, oh, gosh, 
Jacob is unbelievable. <laughs> I cannot believe Jacob. <sighs> I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have done it. <laughs> What's up, Tuan? You all right, man? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you were just talking about Jacob. Oh, gosh, let me tell you. He, his dad, uh, uh, Isaac. That guy was a piece of work. Uh, but no, it, he was always... <laughs> he was ready to talk about it, but if you didn't want to talk about it, he wouldn't force it on you. And, and, that, and I think that's... But th that's my experience with you, because we work out at the same place in mm -hmm. and Edmonton. Never once, until this interview, I knew, and I'm like, okay, you were comfortable with talking about mm -hmm. it. And th that's been my experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, but it's just... It's how you, it, it, it comes, it's, it's, sharing is definitely a, a, a part of it, but also living and loving and just being, being friends with you is great, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and the thing that I think you and Keegan are very similar, you have such positive energy and personalities, you know, like nothing seems, you're always, always upbeat and always like, excited about life because like sad is easy and we're not here for long man we're just not and that's again something i learned from my mom and her my her last days i was like mom what do you want for uh, your birthday or what do you want for mother's day she was like more time Wait, i want more time yeah. we got two more quick questions yeah. let's get them in right here hey how you doing hey what's up man uh, you guys work together? Yeah, we used to yeah. do an improv show together. He's, uh, we did. Jason Acevedo. Look up to him. He's my mentor. Yeah. Uh, quick question. So how long do you think it, like, because one of my favorite comedians is Louis C.K., and he said mm -hmm. it took him, it takes at least 10 years to be a great comedian. How long do you think it takes for you to be a great improviser? And with that in mind, was there ever a time on the main stage where you were just like, I don't think I'm going to get there. I think I'm going to stop and just get, like, a regular nine-to-five job? Um. Um, it, it, it does take time to become a strong improviser because even when you think you've gotten to a certain point, you go, okay, I'm, I'm doing really good. And then Kevin Dorff shows up. And some of, not many of you, some of you guys know Kevin Dorff, a writer for Conan. He was on Main Stage, Second City. Amazing uh, improviser. Uh, amazing improviser. And he shows up and does the set and runs circles around you. And you go, oh, wow oh, I don't really know very much at all. Um, like staying, staying in a place of learning, that's going to make you better. Yeah, checking in and going, okay, where am I at? That's good, but just like staying in that place of learning, that's going uh, to grow you all the time. So, yeah. Great. Let's yeah. get one more question in here before we got to wrap it up. Hi. Hi. I'm really enjoying listening to you. I could listen to you all night. Uh, Tell that to my wife. <laughs> no, no. The question I have is you mentioned Uta Hagen, mm -hmm. and I wonder how much your classical acting training informs your improvising. It's huge. And uh, how much, um, and, and what kind of methodology or method, if you will, do you bring to the stage in general that has informed your improvising? Um, like living in the moment, absolutely. And being the person, really becoming the character. I notice, it w w I mean, there's a lot of amazingly funny people 
th that are here in Chicago, and I and I take nothing from them. I I I they're brilliant, brilliant, and far more brilliant than I, I probably will ever be in some cases. Um, but playing a character, what was really fun about what we just did is like we both set into these guys, and this is who you have. There's no there was no wavering. There was no like stay in there, stay in that person. And that, that's a lot of acting, like becoming that person, taking on that character and letting the character do the work and not you, then it's easy. Um, and with the improvisation, as far as acting goes, you're just prepared. You're just prepared to live in the moment and not do it the same way every night. It's going to change. There's going to be different little nuances that always change every night, and you've got to be able to flow with those. That's going to keep the show at a high level because now each, each night something new. You like, it's like a canvas or a tissue paper, and it lays on. The show is at a point. Then a part of it opens up. And so now there's a hole in it, and then it starts to tear away the rest of it, and then it's gone, and then another piece of paper settles, and then you tear through that, and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. You know, you ask people who did Cats on Broadway for 10 years, I'm like, was it the same show every night? They're like, nope. Nope, it wasn't. Never was. So, yeah. Great. One piece of advice, because we got to wrap this up. Okay, cool. I'm sorry. We could go on for another I'm sorry. Hours. I'm sorry. Um, One piece of advice you would give somebody starting out in improv and acting today. Um, gosh. Really dive in. What does that mean? Don't just halfway do it. If you're going to do it, do it. And that means commit yourself to it. Um, I mean, Jimmy, you and I are around the same age, and it's like, do we want to go to the gym? No. <laughs> I love TV, you know, <laughs> but we got to go. Mm -hmm. We got to go because we got to keep moving. We got to keep ourselves in shape, in some sort of shape, you know. So starting yeah. out, and you like see, commit to it, really do what it. What does that mean to somebody who's just starting out, maybe they're taking a couple classes? Mm -hmm. How would commit look for them? How would commit? Uh, keep doing what they're doing. Because it's not going to happen. Some, in some cases, it does happen overnight, but it's not gonna, all going to happen right away. You have to be patient. It's a, it's a slow. It can be a slow process, and when it does get slow, you just hang in there and you keep chugging away. Sometimes things are going to go really quick. Um, uh, God, that was the sermon today. Um, um, sometimes things are going to happen suddenly, and just be prepared when it does. But sometimes it's gonna go slow and you just have to Well I hope it goes quickly for you. Thank you. All right. Thanks Thank man so, so much, much brother. Thank you. And there you go. There's another episode of Improv Nerd that is in the can and I want to thank our guest today, Antoine McKay. And I love when he talked about being born again and changing his priorities and I, I just it's something that I need to do because I think like, oh, being an actor or whatever, an improviser is the most important thing, but he put it all in really good context. Uh, check out Empire that I believe it's going to be on Fox in January or February. I want to thank the good people here at Stage 773 here in Chicago for being such great hosts of Improv Nerd. Also, my producer, Dan Schiffmacher. He's the one who makes it sound so slick and so professional. And my 
assistant Chloe Fitzpatrick. Uh, if you want more information about me, Jimmy Corain, and my award-winning classes, The Artist Low Comedy, or my improv blog, which will make you a better improviser and a better person, well, the better person is up to you, but it will help you with your improvisation. Just go to my website, jimmycorain.com. That's jimmycorain.com. Also, follow us on all the social media we seem to be taking over uh, our, our Facebook page, uh, Improv Nerd. Like us, because it really helps with le- my low self-esteem. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Improv underscore Nerd. Uh, and then we have a great YouTube channel, which has little clips from uh, episodes of Improv Nerd, so you actually get to see the guests and me doing improv with them. It's very educational and insp- inspirational, so check that out. We're also on a podcast collective, Feral Audio, feralaudio.com, some of the most innovative and hilarious podcasts out there. So check out feralaudio.com. I want to thank today's sponsor, Pan Theater in Oakland, our good friend David Alger. And I want to thank you for listening. And until next time, remember, walk, don't run. I'm Kyle Ayers. I'm the host of Never Seen It, the podcast where comedians rewrite famous movies and TV shows they've never seen, and then we give them a read in studio. This is a clip I want to play for you guys from an episode where Langston Kerman rewrites Scarface. He's never seen it, but he wrote a script based on what he thinks he knows about it. And here's a clip. Give it a listen. All right. Scarface, the new frontier. Interior, happening discotheque. Remember when we call clubs discotheques? <laughs> LOL, the 70s were crazy. Night. The crowd bustles with young, hot Mexicans who are supposed to be Cuban and all are dressed in butterfly collared shirts and pants that look like Jinko jeans and pleated khakis had a really weird baby. <laughs> There's sex in the air and Poppy wants a whiff. <laughs> oh my God. Scarface, 22 to 45. (laughs) Like he's a television audience demographic? Devilishly handsome. Not even a little bit Italian looking, so get that out of your dumb brain. Walks through the crowd with the confidence of a man who's going on MTV Cribs with the Yin Yang Twins. (laughs) Does he actually have a scar on his face? Fuck no. Why would he even why would you even ask that? That's not important. What's important is that he is not at all a problematic stereotype and that he has come for his cocaine. As he approaches the red rope of the VIP, pronounced V-A-P-E in Spanish, (laughs) he spots his dear friend, who is almost certainly going to become his enemy by the end of the film, Smooth Skin. Scarface yells out his signature line. (laughs) Ciao, Bella. It's me, Scarface. (laughs) 